going to start with a joke. I always start with a joke, and I found it. I, I don't. Nate said not to do it because it's a bit inappropriate. So, but I already did it. <laughs> already did it at the 9 a.m. So, you know, they approved. Actually, one person said, "I've never heard." I, she said, "I think that word that you're, I'm about to say is the first time it's ever been said in the church." So, whew. Um, what's it going to be? <laughs> um, Right, this is the joke, okay. How is a fart... That's the word, that's the word. <laughs> How is a fart and a teenager alike? Okay. Right, once you go to sleep, you can't trust either of them to sneak out. That's how they're alike. <laughs> no, the teenagers are not like that. That's, tr that's, that's rubbish. That's why Nate didn't want me to speak it out. Um, so, anyway, that was a silly joke about farts and teenagers. We're going to be thinking about Jesus being a teenager today. Um, so, have you ever, have you ever imagined, have you thought about Jesus being a teenager? Have you ever had that kind of little thought? Yeah? So, just, just little, like, close your eyes and just imagine him now. Um, was he a typical teenager? So... I was just thinking about this, like, was he one of those, like, know-it-alls? Because it's funny, because he actually did know it all. Um, and I was just imagining him at, like, a family reunion. And his, his uncle comes up to him, and he's like, Oh, um, Jesus, oh, you're getting so big. How old are you now? And then he's like, Ugh, duh. Well, here's a clue. What year is it? <laughs> Um, I don't think he was like that. I think he was, <laughs> he was not like that. <laughs> um, that's just my ridiculous brain. But I, I, I think he was quite a normal, normal Jewish boy at that time. And, um, and what, you know, he was actually, he was like any normal boy um, at that time. He was growing and he was searching for his identity. So that is what we're going to be talking about now, is about Jesus, how he grew and he was searching for identity. His identity, and this is a talk for everyone. So it's not just for someone who is in their teenage years, but it's for all of us who is who are thinking about their identity. So it's the the three questions which are quite helpful. So who am I? Where do I fit? And what difference will I make? Those are the three questions that we're going to look at. That we I think Jesus was sort of thinking about. Um. Because actually, finding our identity is actually quite hard. And even Jesus, we can be reassured though, because Jesus was thinking about it. He was, you know, learning and trying to grapple with this thing. Um, I'm just quickly going to talk though about teenagers um, and like a history of teenagers. Because I read this article and I found it very interesting. It was on the BBC. And um, it was talking about how from the time of when Jesus was alive, from, like, you know, way back then to, to now, teenagers have massively changed. So it used to be that that wasn't even a word, like that wasn't even a thing. They would be, you know, uh, there's um, things about early as seven years old, some kids were going out to work. So, you know, kids would be working, teenagers would be working, they'd been trying to support the family. So that thing, that has kind of evolved over time and um and then in the last century the school came in people started realizing that actually no they needed time to kind of develop and learn and um, go to school and things like that um so the attitudes towards 
young people have changed. Um, the, one of the things that I found quite um, interesting and a bit shocking was that in the sort of 50s, they actually realized that teenagers were useful. Like a, they were actually like a teenage market there. Um, there's a quote that says, to some extent, the teenage market, and in fact, the very notion of a teenager, has been created by the businessmen who exploit it. So I just want to give like a bit of a background about kind of the world and how the world sees teenagers and how, how it's changed over the time. Um, and um, some, actually, I was going to, there's other stuff about teenagers that, like back 20 years ago, they would have been more likely to have a job at 13, but like a small job, and they also were more likely to go out and, and get in trouble. Um, but now, nowadays, which is the iGen generation, it's interesting because they're less likely to experiment and get in trouble, and that's because they're at home, and they're using their friendships online. So there's like a funny, like kind of good, but kind of bad element to that. So um, then we also, nowadays, we've only just researching, um, have found that, yes, teenagers develop when they're, and they kind of hit puberty, and they've and their bodies grow and all that kind of stuff and they're 18, 19 and we kind of think oh they're eight adults now so they should go out and they should go to university and they should get a job and, and, and move out but now they're sort of looking at brain, brain scans and they're seeing this white matter that is still in the brain way into their 20s sort of mid to late 20s is it's still there so it's funny how the world has, has, is now realising that there's still a lot of work to do in that age. Um, so I just wanted to put that in a frame, like kind of that's in our, in our minds, and try and think about that when we're learning about, when we're listening about Jesus and how he grew up. Um, we have been, as a church, going through um, a sermon series in January, and it was called A Season of Joy, and we were looking at all the people that met baby Jesus. And now for the next few weeks, we're doing this next one. It's called, we're calling it um, the season of preparation. So it was all the things that happened from his birth to um, baptism. And there wasn't many things in the Bible that it doesn't talk about it much. Actually, Luke, this passage that we're going to read today, it's the only passage that um, talks about Jesus in that time. So what do we think happened in these 30 years? It's good to kind of think about it. He would have been a teenager and then a young man in his 20s. And as we open up our passage and look at it, I think it's good to put ourselves in his context. So how did he grow up? Um, what happened in his life? So Jesus was born in hiding in Bethlehem, we know that. He fled Egypt with his parents because there was a king that was jealous and wanted to kill him. Um, it was kind of hectic. And then he moved back from Egypt back into Israel and he didn't go to the same town he was born. He went to this really random town called Nazareth. And it wasn't near the city of Jerusalem. It's quite out in the sticks. It's a, kind of a, like a nobody town. It's not really known that much. Um, so the first few years were, were like busy, probably stressful, um, and then he landed up in this kind of nobody town. And I wonder if, like on reflection to that, in our context, have you ever felt like you're, you know, you're not, you don't live in like the cool hipster part of London, or you know, you're part of, you live in Molesy, or, I mean, what is that name? 
or you live in Thames Ditton or whatever, like all these like random little towns. Um, and they're not the cool London city. And you think, ugh. So, <laughs> um, Molsey is cool. Molsey is cool. Walton's cool. Thames Ditton is cool. We are cool. Okay, guys, come on. Come on. It's cool to be here. But I think it's good to think about how Jesus, he, he was in that situation. He knows how we feel. Um, but the other, the other kind of serious part is that I think as teenagers, and maybe we do as well, they have to deal with this a weight um, that we, we've kind of forgotten, but I think we still have it because they live in this hyper-comparative society. In a, like the social media, the internet, they live in that world even though they're here in tiny little village, town, whatever it's called. But they live in this world of social media where it's easy for them to feel like a nobody and it's sad because I, the whole kind of what social media and all these platforms say is that you do it because you want to learn to be good at something right it's like you get into your gardening instagram thing or whatever i should be on that but i'm not but um and you're like yeah i'm gonna do that i'm gonna be amazing or whatever it is and what do you end up doing do you feel do you feel like you're a better gardener most of the time not you just waste time just looking and comparing and thinking that you're not as good as all these other things um and I think it's good for us to kind of remember that that's, that's like blown up to the extreme when you're a teenager because that's kind of all you're looking at. Okay, back to Jesus, though. Um, so he, he grew up in a normal way. He was a normal Jewish boy. He was raised by devout Jewish family. So we know that because they, every year they went to this festival. So every year they, put God, they wanted to go to the festival. They put God first. Um, he would have been reading the Old Testament, memorizing it, um, and also learning his father's trade. So, like learning to work, to be a carpenter, like a quite a normal, you know, a builder. It says maybe um, one pe- some people say. So, but what we know from his life after he's thirty, even though we don't know much of what happened before he was thirty, what we know from his life when he was in his thirties is that he didn't waste those years. So those years, he watched carefully and he learned deeply. So those were not wasted years. You know, we focus on those other years. My dad was like, what are you going to be preaching on? There's, not, there's just one verse. It's like not much there. Well, there's a lot there, dad. Okay. <laughs> um, and, you know, for our kids, our little kids, our teenagers, our 20-year-olds, they are living in an age where everything is measured. So the grades or, um, I mean, I don't know what this is, but snap streaks. Who knows what a snap streak is? I don't know what it is. I can't even say it properly. But like there's so many things that um, they're measured by, like how many likes they get or how many, how, what grades they get or how good they are at whatever it is that hobby they're doing. And the same is for us. We are measured and we feel like we're measured in our jobs or in, our, in what we wear or um, how good our house looks or how kind of, I don't know what it is. Like we're, we're always kind of being measured, success or failure. But as a Christian, we have been told that actually, no, we, we are, we're not failures. We're not measured by, 
by any of those things, that we are, we're, you know, we are, we've got Jesus living inside us. So that's what we've, we've, been, we've been taught. Well, we'll go into that later. But so Jesus lived a life, and this is also interesting. There wasn't much said in that time, okay? So kind of what we can gather is that not much happened. I mean, in that time, his dad probably would have died because he wasn't alive when he started his ministry. So he would have experienced family grief. He probably would have had to be like the father, the man of the household. He would have had to work quite hard. His, his mum had six other children, I think. So he's like a busy household. He was the oldest. So he experienced lots of life and lots of life that we can relate to um, and he can relate to us. But there wasn't like it was massive things happening. And so I thought that was quite encouraging because we might sometimes feel that in life, that maybe there aren't huge things happening in our life at the moment. and We might feel a bit bored or we might feel a bit stuck. And it's good for us to kind of hear that God is the master of big events, but he's also the master of non-events. So he's there. He's done it all. He knows all what's happening in your life. So we're going to go into the passage now, the Bible. Um, this is in the Gospel of Luke. And Luke just, somebody just said, I love Luke. He just says it how it is. So if you want to read alongside with me, it is on page something. It's Luke 2, verse 41. Oh, it's there. Thank you, tech people. Um, when, so I'm going to read it and I might pause every now and again, but um, when Jesus and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their town of Nazareth. So that's what we were talking about. That's when he was a baby. Okay. Then the next verse, it's, it says, the child grew and became strong and was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. So that's as he was kind of growing up as a child. And the next verse, it says, every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. So that's what I was saying. Every year, they were dedicated parents. They put that first. So 42. It says, when he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. Now, just quick context here. Mary and Joseph were not bad parents. Although I probably would, I, I'm sure I've done something like that in, with my children. I've got four, so I've got an excuse. I've got too many. Like Amy keeps saying, I've got too many. <laughs> um, so, um, but they weren't. They actually... In that time, whole villages would go together, and they would all travel together. It would be really busy. Um, and so at one, once it's finished, they'd all travel back. And I, I read that often the women would travel more slowly, so they would go first. Um, Nate was saying, that's because you, they've got smaller legs like you, Mary, but I don't think that's true. Um, and then, so <laughs> they would go first, and then often the men would catch up and go behind. So obviously, it's, and then the, the children were quite often free to kind of play around and, you know, so let's, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. They weren't bad parents. But when they did not find them, verse 45, they went back to Jerusalem and they looked for him. 
after three days they found him in the temple in the temple courts sitting among the teachers listening to them and asking them questions everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers when his parents saw him they were astonished and his mother said to him son why have you treated us like this your father and I have been anxiously searching for you why have you been searching for me he asked didn't you know I had to be in my father's house but they did not understand what he was saying to them so just pause here I just think it's so interesting at 12 already he was aware of his his unique relationship with God but he was also obedient to his earthly parents because 51 it says then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them but his mother treasured all these things up in her heart and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man so Jesus grew although Jesus was God there is there's no indication that he he had all knowledge and wisdom it wasn't that he wasn't that but he was maturing like any other boy he was growing and growing in wisdom and stature it says so he grew physically mentally and spiritually and it's like us again it's like us we are all growing physically mentally and spiritually and not just as a teenager or in a 20 we're still doing it now right like who who is still growing physically oh not maybe not physically well maybe you are if you're eating a lot but um <laughs> mentally and spiritually who is growing here still mentally and spiritually i am um and, uh, and, and it's, these are the three questions that's quite helpful to think about then as you're growing spiritually and mentally. So who am I? Who am I? Um, and where do I fit right now in this season? And what difference will I make in the world around me? And it, what's quite fun is that this is the first time that we hear in all the Gospels that the, our Messiah speaking. So this little patch here is the first time we hear his voice speaking. And what he says, so let's what, see what he says. He says, he's saying that he knows he is a child of God. So who am I? He knows his identity is I am a child of God. His identity was in God. And he belonged and he was safe in God's house. And he knew that he had plan- God had plans for his life. So when I was kind of looking at this, I was just um, thinking about teenagers and all of us. We feel validated by looking at the world around us. So we have be validated by our friends or social media or the influencers um, or our work or our family. These are all the outside things that um, change them. But often it's the outside things that they change the outside of us. Like if you, what you're looking at on Instagram, you're probably going to be changing the outside stuff in your life. But if we're looking at God, then that's the one that can change the inside stuff. So that's what we're trying to think about, the inside stuff. And how do we, how do, we do this? So... Um, I mean, one of the things that he would have had was role models. He probably would have had his parents, but also teachers of the law and people around him. And do we, do we have role models? Who do we look up to? 
and our family, mums and dads, or um, our family, our church family, um, church leaders, and mentors, and camp leaders, and you know, all these different things, they have an impact on our lives. So it's, what's really encouraging is that Jesus didn't have an iPhone, thankfully, because, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say because I'm sure he would have, maybe, I don't know what he would have done. Would he have had one? Anyway, um, I'm sorry. But then he would, but he would have had influences around him, right? So he would have. He was living in the world, um, which was, it was a hard place to live in. So he would have had his mum and dad, and they, they loved him so much. But they still might have had um, kind of a desire for his life that might not have matched up to God's desire. And as parents, are we being careful with the kind of things that we're placing on our kids, the desires that we have for them? Are we, are we being careful that, are we, are we trying to ask God first what we're saying before we put these things on, on them? Because they have so much other stuff being put on them already. Because Jesus would have had his parents probably saying, you know, come on, I don't know, make that chair better or whatever. And, you know, you know, come on, let's practice at this. You need to, this is your, just as our family trade, you need to be good at this. Um, he would have had um, friends around him influencing him. He would have had sort of the desire of money and success. A lot of people were, were poor, and, but the desire of money is just the same as it was now. Um, so it's good to kind of and look at him and think, yeah, he still had the same stuff as what we have. So what are we encouraging our young people to do or be? And it's the same for us. What are we thinking about ourselves? What are we doing? So I've, I've written, do you have a mentor? I'm going to go back to that one. Do you have a Christian prayer partner who can challenge you, who can pray with you and be, and you can be real with and open up with? Do you have that, church? Do you, are you in a Bible study? Are you in a study, a place where you can, you can learn, you can get chiseled, you can spend time with each other, being built up and formed? Are you in a Bible study? If you're not, please come and speak to me. These are such good places for us to, to learn about our identity and who we are in Jesus. And a mentor. Do you have a mentor? Now that is, you know, that is an amazing thing. Do you have somebody that is older than you, not necessarily in age, but in their walk with, with Jesus? Someone that you look at and go, oh, they are just, they just shine Jesus. They're, they're, I aspire to be like them. They're definitely a Jesus follower. Do you know somebody like that? Because I'm pretty sure that they will be so encouraged if you go up to them and say, would you mind being my mentor? And it doesn't, it's not a big time commitment. It could be like once a month, once a term even. Once a term is an amazing thing. And that person can sit you down and be like, right. I'm, I'm, I'm only pointing at you, Tishy, because I did it in the world. Tishy, are you reading your Bible every single day? You know, and like challenging you in that and, and asking you these kind of questions because we know we should be reading our Bible. That's where we get all these answers from, right? That's what, that's the word of God. We know that. We've been told that ever since we were littles. If we've been Christians for, for that long, we know the answers in the Bible, but are we, are we reading it? So 
I know it's so hard, but I need people to kind of keep chat. This is why we. This is why we go to church. This is why we listen to sermons that we go. Okay, all right. I need to do that. But hearing a sermon is not good enough. We need to have people in our lives that can be quite honest and quite raw and be like, listen, I love you and I want the best for you and I want you to grow in your relationship with God. So therefore, what are you doing with this, 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 this? Yeah? I mean, they might be saying to Nate, Nate, stop looking at all those cool vicars who wear those cool trendy stuff in East London and be yourself, Nate. <laughs> you know, what, who are we? I, I challenge us, get a mentor, join a Bible study, get a pra- prayer partner and read your Bible, read your Bible every single day. We're gonna be doing this thing in Lent. It, this could be a really good way of starting a good habit. Habits, I don't know, they take whatever time to start, there's a statistic. Um, and every, every single day, what, so Lent we're gonna be doing a Lectio that like the app, every single day Nate was talking about it. Maybe that's gonna be, this is gonna be the time. You know, we really felt as a staff team, instead of giving up something at Lent, why don't we take something on that will not just be good for that season, but be good for the rest of your lives. Reading the Bible will be good for you for the rest of your lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, let's see this, guys. Okay, so um, everyone is searching for meaning, especially young people, especially people in their 20s, maybe in their 30s, 40s. We're all searching for meaning. There's a really cool song by Hillsong called Best Friends, um, and I'm just going to read out the first two verses because I I just think it's really it's such a good song Um, go and listen to it but it's quite chilling so it says and it was written by young people but I think we can all relate so it says I don't want to be on my phone but I can't be alone who's that right welcome to the modern way trying to be somebody I'm not but it's not what I want tell me there's another way All of the lights I chased are now faded. I mean, who's chased all those things in your life? Like, what are they? They all fade, all those things that we chase. All the cheap thrills were only time wasted. Who knows that feeling? I mean, he's like that, or cheap thrills. Whatever your cheap thrill is, there's such time-wasting stuff. Tell me why society's plan should define who I am. Surely there's a higher way. Amen? There is a higher way, and our higher way is Jesus. And as a church, oh, I just, like, come on, imagine as a church, as a society, imagine if the society put Jesus first. Imagine if our church put Jesus first and our identity was fully just Jesus and we just shone in all those places. So this whole passage, this tiny passage, Dad, this tiny little passage, it's got so much that we can learn both parents, both adults, old people, young people, about Jesus. He was obedient to his parents, but he also knew God had a plan for his life. He knew that he was meant to put God first, and that was his priority. And it's a challenge for us parents. Are we holding our children back? Are we putting too much pressure on on them? Are we measuring them on how much they are loved by God. Because actually there's no rush. It's funny, I mean, we don't know, but maybe Jesus, Jesus didn't move out until he was 30. So, 
And that's kind of going back to what I was saying before. If we look at what Jesus did, yes, he was working, but he was in his 20s. He was figuring out who he is and learning his father's trade and spending time with his family and spending time with his mentors and his, all those things, but just like learning and exploring. And then it was in his 30s. So are we looking at our society and thinking, no, you know what, maybe the 20... Maybe we shouldn't be rushing them off to decide what they're meant to do for the rest of their lives when they're 18. Maybe we should be slowing down a bit and helping them explore what God has them f- for them. I mean, it's just so funny. He was so countercultural in so many ways with the way he tr- talked talk to women, the way he's treated children, and maybe also the way he lived his life up until he was 30. That just so, is so fascinating. So young people, um, any young people here, you are deeply loved and God has plans for you. And I think I want to say to all the young people and to the old people right now, that verse says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And notice the word is plans. It's not plan. We don't want to be anxious about that. I remember Nate and I were so anxious when we were younger, like, oh, we're going to miss it. But no, it's plans. And we're going to muck up. We all are. And we're going to take different routes. But there are multiple. God is so good and he loves you and you're his child. No matter how old you are, you're his child. And he has plans for your life. And through his Holy Spirit, while you spend time with him, he will guide you, even through mistakes. Um, when I met Nate on missions, when we were in our early 20s, we had this like period, YWAM, and they, we had this like kind of period of teaching. It was three months long, and it was like, meant to be this intensive kind of Bible teaching. And we just kept being quite surprised about why nearly like more than half w- w- was all about our identity. Our identity, and it was they were just drumming that home. They were like, you need to know your identity. And we were like, yeah, yeah, but what about, what about how you like feed the poor and what are, all that kind of stuff? Like, no, 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 just wait. Let's learn about your identity. And isn't that interesting that actually if we can all learn our identity first, that we are a child of God and there's, you know, all of that, there's more to talk about what is our identity, but this is just the kind of grounding. Then that's only from that then we can do good things and big things. Um, so yeah, where do you find your identity? We find it by spending time with God. Do you read your Bible daily? Do you need help? We can help with that. Come and talk to us if you need help with advice on how to do that. Because going out the doors now, we know that there's going to be all sorts pushing their identity on you. On your fo- from your phone or from your work or, or whatever it is. So just try and remember this week. Check yourself. Right, where's my identity? Should I be doing that? Should I, be, should I just open my Bible right now? Or listen to a worship song? Um, there's this really cool little uh, paragraph. I'm going to read it out quickly. Um, and it's just quite fun to think about. So the greatest... And I'm going to ask what the answer is at the end, so you have to shout it out. Okay, so the greatest man in history 
He had no servants, yet they called him master. Okay? He had no degree, and yet they called him teacher. He had no medicines, and yet they called him healer. He had no army, yet kings feared him. He, he won no bat military battles, and yet he conquered the world. He committed no crime, and yet they cru crucified him. He was buried in a tomb, yet he lives today. His name is? Jesus. Right. So, you know, he didn't do all those things. He wasn't a, trying to strive all that stuff that the world was trying to tell him to do. So we have to look to Jesus. Where is our identity from? What are we striving for? What are we putting first? What are we looking at? What are we taking in? Let's take in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen.